0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You got to listen in every Tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics. Game Changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice. Every Tuesday, a new episode of Game Changers is published on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. And always remember, the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare.
1: welcome to game changers clinical conversations uh, my name is jeff wall i'm a professor of pharmacy practice at Drake university uh, thanks for listening and uh listening to another yet episode of, of game changers clinical conversations uh we've dodged uh covid the last few times but we couldn't dodge it anymore so uh, uh we decided today we are going to talk about uh, the new uh j and j vaccine or at least what we know about the, the johnson and johnson jansen vaccine f- uh, for covid 19 so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and uh since i'm sure Everyone's tired of hearing me yammer uh, for 20 to 30 minutes straight for three or four weeks. I am uh, always grateful and honored to have uh, Jake Aldo join me. Uh, as you know, he is a community pharmacist and works for CEI, uh, CE Impact. He uh, uh, will uh, give us some information of what he's been seeing as far as, as uh, 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 COVID-19 vaccines in the community and some uh, um, uh, thoughts and, and pearls that he has, as well as discussing a study uh, looking at mRNA vaccines in a completely different disease. Yes, there are other completely different infectious diseases out there besides COVID and he's going to talk about uh, what we have learned at least so far about mRNA vaccines in in another serious viral disease which of course is hepatitis C in a recent paper that just came out in that so uh, before we get into all that though I um, want to thank you for listening head over to where you listen to your podcast hit uh, the like button hit the the subscribe button tell your uh, friends and family and uh, most importantly head over to our producer CE Impact take a listen to some of the uh, and look at some of the uh, C programs they have, including signing up for the program that that allows you to get CE for listening to me talk. Uh, Very affordable and very easy. As always, I say, I don't think I can think of an easier way way to get CE than listening to me for 20 or 30 minutes and heading over and answering a couple quick questions and grabbing some CE, so it's pretty easy to do. So so today, yes, we are going to talk about, uh, as we all know, uh, just in the last several weeks, uh, the uh, uh, Johnson & Johnson slash Janssen, which I'm going to refer to from this point on as J&J vaccine. uh, was uh, given the EUA and, and approved uh, by FDA uh, under the EUA umbrella for uh, immediate use as, as a COVID-19 vaccine. I'm sure many of you listening have questions about it or have gotten questions about it. And so we thought we'd take a couple minutes and talk about it. I think the first big thing that I've you know seen some questions about and, and certainly in, in the lay media is the fact that this is not an mRNA vaccine. So this is different than the uh, Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine. This is a, a vector vaccine. So um, as we know, this, uh, this is a different type, but for, for those who are a little bit squeamish, I suppose about, about the whole, you know, gee, I've never, I'm not sure about taking a vaccine that has a new delivery system. Uh, this is something that actually has been used in, in, in other vaccines. Um, uh, vector vaccines have been used in, in, in several other types of, of either candidate or approved vaccines around the world. Um, and of course, what happens is you actually have a, a, a another virus, usually an adenovirus uh, that has been basically rendered inert uh, that basically... Uh, 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 is given or a, a copy or a piece of the copy of of the COVID nineteen virus. It then gets in into the body, and then uh, 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 basically the the genetic material is made so that the body will then make the spike protein uh, uh, to COVID. So the the virus uh, the adenovirus is basically the inert deliverer of the genetic information to cells that produce the spike protein. Once that happens, the body does its normal thing, which is to, to produce an immune response of both T cells and B cells. Uh, Against uh, uh, that spike protein, which of course causes COVID, and uh, should give you some protection. And so uh, that that it is a little bit different. But uh, um, I, I would uh, those who have some vaccine hesitancy, I think you can certainly tell them that that this is a technology that has probably been around longer than the mRNA technology. Um, I think they're both very safe. Um, but I, I think that that for those who are like, well, you know, you know, at least this has been been studied. Uh, in other disease states and and had some success um, uh we know that that this particular type of vaccine which again is the the adenovirus 26 vector uh has been used in in other candidate vaccines such as the ebola vaccine which was approved in in europe um uh, it never got to that point in in the u.s um, it's a- also been looked at uh as in vaccine candidates for rsv for hiv and zika so uh, again you know um it uh, has been looked at in in uh, treatment of a uh, or prevention of a other other viral diseases. Uh, data from those diseases suggests that this is a very effective way to, to trigger an immune response uh, in, in humans, and generally, highly immunogenic responses are, are what you see. We unfortunately do not, as of as of time of of of, of recording this, uh, have the full phase three study that that was was up. up um, uh, that the FDA used to get the, the, the vaccine, the EUA on it. So we have just basically, you know, the currently published data, which was the phase one and two study that was published a, a bit ago in the New England Journal of Medicine, as well as the data from uh, FDA and CDC that is basically on their website. So I thought I'd take a quick second and talk about about the first study the phase one phase two study they got they got uh, the, the drug kind of along the lines the phase three part uh, that study that was done previously was was started in july 2020 was done in belgium and the u.s uh, this again was kind of a proof of concept type of 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 a study uh, like all vaccine studies they do a study first to make sure that you get good immunogenicity as, as well as safety and then move on to look at clinical outcomes so this first study is is again more and more the the goal is more looking at immunogenicity and safety, as opposed to 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 prevention of the disease, this study, however, is completely published, so we at least can can read the whole thing. Uh, in this study, what they did is they had uh, some cohorts of patients. First, they looked at a cohort of patients 18 to 55, and then another cohort of patients uh, patients over age 65. This was a fairly small study because again, they weren't trying to look at at, at uh, prevention of COVID. They just wanted to look at immunogenicity. Uh, so the 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 target enrollment was 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 fairly low, especially compared to the bigger study that we'll talk about in just a second. They then did, like most phase two studies, did, did a variety of dosing regimens. And for time's sake, I'm not going to get into the different ones. But basically, various low and high doses and placebo. Basically, there was there was a, there were five arms in these cohorts that looked at various and sundry uh, vaccination groups. Their primary endpoint in that study well, again was not uh, uh, efficacy but was just basically looking at safety and and basically uh, immunogenicity of, of of each dosing schedule uh, they were they basically uh, received the vaccine and then and then were, were assessed for uh, antibody production and t-cell um, um, uh, fighting production on day 7 29 and 71 in each cohort and then of course they did an in-depth uh, adverse uh, drug reaction assessment including doing patient diaries and car. And and and, at, and asking for unsolicited events through day twenty nine as well. Uh, in the study itself, this phase one and two study uh, in the two cohorts, the mean age in the first cohort, that younger cohort, was thirty six. The mean age in the older cohort was sixty five. So right at that that sixty five age, as you might imagine, the majority of them uh, were Caucasian, uh, and and they found that that uh, given the uh, a, a single dose of the adenovirus, that ninety nine percent of patients seroconverted and had high levels of titers throughout uh, throughout the whole dosing regimen up to day seventy one. So that was really good when they looked. T cell responses. They also found very robust T cell responses um, um, to, to that as well. Um, ADRs they did find, um, but but similar ADRs to what we've seen in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, um, that, you know, again, fever and, and, and body aches and, and uh, you know, local reactions, things like that. Interestingly, though, uh, uh, there was statistically significantly less uh, uh, fever and, and body aches in patients in the older cohort than the younger cohort, which is kind of interesting. Um, so that's, that's, you know, kind of, kind of what 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 they did. And then they moved on to the larger study, which again, unfortunately, we don't have uh, a, a, the full uh, paper yet to, to review. But uh, this study was done in about forty-five thousand uh, patients all around the world, including the U.S., but including a, a lot of South American countries, South Africa as well. And both those things are important because, as we know. Um, in Brazil and South Africa in particular, we've had some variants of the COVID vaccine, which at, at a minimum seem to be at least more infectious. I think that there's a paper that just came out recently in BMJ that suggests that they may be uh, more severe types of, of variants, but at, at, a, at a minimum, I think we can say that that, at a, that they're at least more infectious than than the wild type, a uh, first type of of COVID that we saw. Um, uh, and, and basically what they found in this study uh, was that, the, that, and this has been reported Reported, I think heavily in the lay media that it was 66% effective at uh, the study's combined endpoints of moderate and severe COVID-19 at day 28 post-vaccine. And remember, this is just a single shot. Um, and you know, there's there's been a lot of a lot of media talk about well, you know, that doesn't sound as good as the the Pfizer and, and the Moderna vaccine and things along those lines. I think you know, I think this something to keep in mind is that I think we, sometimes we 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 might lose an idea of what kind of metric we're looking at for for vaccine uh, treatment. And and I think in this case, I I think we would all agree the most important thing we want a vaccine to do is to prevent hospitalizations and deaths. From COVID nineteen, yes, it would be terrific as well as if you never got COVID in the first place. But, but, uh, but I think you know the most important metric is 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 not getting sick enough you require hospitalization and, and certainly not 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 dying from COVID. And uh, in that case, the 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 J and J vaccine was was incredibly effective, high levels of 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 protection, and in fact, nobody in the uh, um, um, COVID or nobody in the active vaccine arm actually was hospitalized or died from from COVID-19. So, you know, again, there's been this kind of, you know, media buzz about, you know, well, it's only 66% effective. Well, you know, a that's Actually, quite effective. Um, you know, remember that that year year in and year out, we have you know uh, influenza vaccines that run somewhere between 20 and 50 percent effectiveness. But it, but you know, we always tell patients that you know yes, that it may it may not fully protect you from getting the flu, but much more importantly, it protects you from getting super sick or dying from the flu. And it's the exact same thing with with, with the J um, and J vaccine. And is that is that you know yes, it is 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 quite effective, and I would say at affecting getting the, the disease in in, in the first place but much more effective at becoming seriously ill or dying from it um as far as side effects again they found they found uh, fairly sim- uh, uh, similar side effects uh um and it, to the phase one and phase two studies they were it was common and i think that's something we do need to, to bring up to patients is that you know it, more likely than not they will probably have at least one adverse effect from from the from the vaccine but again it, it's minor and that's what they found in this study was that you know there were very very few patients who had serious adverse effects and 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 almost all adverse effects were were gone within five to seven days, so that that's important as well. So you know, I, you know, I think this is an important tool in the in the fight to treat COVID nineteen, especially because it's a single dose, and I think that's going to make the logistics surrounding uh, uh, giving uh, vaccines to the a, a, a majority of the population much easier. And now I can kind of you know shut up and and again I am, I'm I'm very grateful to Jake for joining us to, today on Game Changers because you're doing this you're actually giving the vaccine and 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 i'm not sure if you had a chance to actually get your guys a supply of, of of the j&j vaccine but kind of what do you think jake that about this study what do you think uh what are some pearls that i think that that the, the community pharmacist needs to know before we start implementing this uh widespread
0: awesome and uh, thanks jeff for having me and you know we have it it's so exciting i gotta i gotta Um, but like the timeline on this just blows my mind because we don't get a lot of leeway. We don't have a lot of like prep time. We got a, an email from our clinical coordinator Friday morning saying, Hey, uh, we just got authorized by the CDC and state. You're going to, we're going to get some, you know, we have four stores, three of the stores are getting 500. The store I'm at is getting 200 and we're all excited. And I got a picture on, on Monday and it was the pharmacist there on Monday. And he said, let the chaos begin because there was a, a little tiny container of like, I don't know, 10 vials, 20 vials. It looks small in this giant refrigerator because of course we had to have a special, you know, unoccupied other than the six bottles of water refrigerator uh, to hold this little carton of uh, of Janssen vaccine. But we got it on Monday, which is super exciting. Right. And so we did like this, this ra- uh, scramble, like what are we going to do with it? And so with the the store that I'm at, we're a smaller store. It's in a neighborhood. It's one pharmacist, one technician. And it's like, I don't think that it's going to be a good process to, to do this during the day. Let's just walk off a time and do a clinic. And so we started to schedule that. Parallel to all of that are three other stores. where like, we're just going to take walk-ins, um, but not really walk-ins. It's all scheduled based. And so they kind of started to prep that way on Tuesday, so the day after we got the vaccine, uh, scheduling went live and, and chaos reigned, I think like. is the, the best way to to explain it. Uh, I talked to Zach yesterday. He actually had to unplug some of the phones in the pharmacy because there were two employees and like four phones. So all the phones were going off and there's only two people. So they just got it down to two phones, two people to try to triage everything. Wow. And I mean, we... we quote unquote, sold out. I I don't know a better way to phrase it other than sold out all of our appointments for our clinic in about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. And it is just, it's crazy because you want to help people. And so you have to have that scheduling system. You have to have a way to be organized to, to take that onslaught of people saying, can I get it? When do I sign up? Where can I go? And then for us, we've, we've walked off an entire Tuesday, next Tuesday, in fact, um, and we're going from eight to one and we're just going to use up all of the stock, we're going to be about doing about uh, 40 shots an hour until we're all done. And so, I mean, it's really exciting. It's wonderful that this is a one-shot dose. And I think that's yes. what's so unique about uh, this one that has authorization in the U.S. compared to some of our other vaccines is that it's one and done. And so we're seeing a lot of people actually having preference to this, despite the the quote-unquote efficacy difference that you've, you've mentioned, um, just because we don't have to do follow-up. We also have some areas that are more rural where it's harder to do follow up with patients where this is just super beneficial. So not just are we really looking at this from a one shot and then we're done Perspective, which is incredibly beneficial, but we also have the storage difference. So, in our previous, you know, we had the, the Pfizer vaccine that first got authorization, that's like negative 80. Then we got the Moderna, which is in the freezer. All of a sudden, we now have one that can stay in the refrigerator. So, not frozen, not deep freezer, nothing like that. Store refrigerator as long as we need it unpunctured. And it can be actually room temperature for up to 12 hours, again, unpunctured, which makes hosting clinics and that's long-term easier. clinics really easier, so much better. Right. Um, and then like, if we were to puncture that vial, again, we can keep it in the fridge for six hours. Again, that's super beneficial. You're working in a pharmacy. You have appointments throughout the day. You don't have to worry about using your entire vial immediately. you got a little bit of window. And then the vial can actually stay room temp up to two hours. So what we're probably going to do for our clinic on Tuesday is, you know, more than likely, I'm actually going to staff the pharmacy so that Zach can be with, with the community providing this this service. And so I'll probably be drawing up and they'll come run over, and grab it, because uh, the clinic's actually in a church right next door. So it's really easy to kind of to, to manage this. Um, what is kind of fascinating is, is looking at it. It's actually a colorless to slightly yellow uh, liquid. Which you know, most of our vaccines are not necessarily slightly yellow. I'm used to the flu vaccine that is clear, colorless. You look at it, um so I'm really happy that I read that this should be slightly yellow because I probably would have got scared if I didn't
1: see that. Right? You'd be like, oh my God, we got to turn this back in. No. <laughs> right. you know,
0: yeah. So, uh, dear dear uh, Jane J, may I have another? Please? Yeah, exactly. I think that was uh, gonna, <laughs> it's gonna work
1: off. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: you know, but, but going back to something that you previously said, that really resonated with me. So like with this, with these, like I went ahead and I, I made appointments for Mom and Dad. I'm gonna be able to vaccinate them. I told my wife That's she like, can stab them., uh, we'll leave that for another day to come uh, to, to unpack. but uh, what what's funny is Dad's like, I don't know if I want that one. I want the other one it has the better efficacy, better efficacy. And I really love how you pointed out that, efficacy is good, but that might not be what we're focused on. And I actually really love that as a counseling point. And I'm going to coach everybody in our clinic to really emphasize that when we when we help our patients. Right. Um, what is also fascinating about why this is so exciting for us compared to the two-dose. So I was talking to uh, one of mom's uh, care sitters yesterday, and uh, she received her first dose of Pfizer probably four weeks ago. And then the clinic where she got her, her, her Moderna excuse me, vaccine, uh, they actually rearranged her schedule and she's now getting dose two at 42 days, which is allowed per CDC to kind of kind of balance the supply. So to me, it's just screaming how hard our system is hit, how hard this supply chain has been hit about getting people in for that second dose and having supply for the second dose while vaccinating people with the first. And so, again, this makes the, the Janssen vaccine so exciting because we're able to just like get into in people's arms and say you are vaccinated after 14 days you can now follow those new cdc guidelines and go frolic with
1: friends right uh, you know i agree with you and and you know I, yeah i think i think one of the big things we're gonna have to fight is is you know it it's so easy and and i'm sure you've read uh, there's been stuff all over media about how as you've just said people are like well i'm not really sure i want this one i want the better one and it's like you know right now it's shots in arms and 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 you know if, if we're trying to get people from being super sick or dying from this, and I think that's what we have to just keep, you know, keep in front of people and, and, and healthcare providers as well is, is the goal here is just like we do every year with, with, with the influenza vaccine. Our goal is, is yes, if we can prevent people from getting in the first place, that's, that's icing on the cake, but what we really want is for people not to get super sick or die from this. And so, yeah, that's, that, that's, I think it's an important piece. And I've certainly had, had conversations, but as you, as we were talking about this, you know, the, I think everyone has been has been floored. I mean, I certainly was by the the effectiveness of this vaccine, the effectiveness of the mRNA vaccines, and 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 you know, the, you know, I hesitate to use the word miracle, but 95 percent you know efficacy as far as keeping people from dying uh, or or being super sick from COVID-19 for all these vaccines is, is very is very impressive, especially considering that we went from kind of zero to 100 in in the course of less than a year. Uh, you were going to talk about a study that just barely came out. I believe in the New England Journal that that suggests that that we, that this was it was uh, we were luckier than we thought, especially with the mRNA vaccines. Is that correct?
0: That is a hundred percent correct. So back in February, there was a uh, an article in New England Journal by Page and colleagues uh, titled "The The Randomized Trial of a Vaccine Regimen to Prevent Chronic HCV Infection." And what really jumped out to me on this one is is as you put it is the 95% efficacy on the mRNA vaccines for, for Moderna and Pfizer for COVID-19 is just honestly surreal. And it makes you wonder if it's the, uh, the proverbial F-A-K-E, the word we don't want to say because it's just so annoying nowadays. Uh, right. but, but I mean, it's there and it's like, is, is this really what's happening? And so it's exciting, even though it's not really exciting, we should caveat all of this and say, it is not good that we saw a trial and a new vaccine candidate fail. But at the same time, to me, is exciting because it gives us confidence in what we're doing with COVID. It's the ugly situation where we have to lose a little to appreciate the wins that we have. And so this was a phase one and two double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial from 2012 to 2018 based in the U.S., Hopkins, uh, UCSF, and University of New Mexico. And it focused on individuals 18 to 45 years old with a uh, 90-day injection injected drug use history. And that's really important because we're looking at hep- hepatitis C. So we had to identify a population at risk for, for hepatitis C, which are those that use an in injected drug use. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we kind of focused in there. Um, it, it is nice that that in the study, they said that risk reduction counseling and referrals to substance use treatment were provided to all patients. Love that, good to go. Yep. And this was a two dose uh, series for HCV um, focused on genotype 1B, and I want us to really hone in on that, genotype 1B, we're going to come back to that, at day 0 and 56. There were over 991 individuals screened with only 548 enrolled, and, and that discrepancy right there is actually mostly due to individuals with poor health. So They were able to identify the 18 to 45 with injection drug use, however, they did not have good enough health to be in the study, and unfortunately, our primary outcome, which is you know percent infected, was not different. So in our treatment arm, we had 37 individuals uh, develop uh, hepatitis C with 13% versus 38 individuals and 14% in that placebo arm. So there was um, really no, no evidence of vaccine effectiveness with a hazard ratio of 1.53 and a 95% confidence interval of 0.66 to 3.55. So again, it crosses that, that one threshold. Uh, our main takeaway on this is that we did see um, where this vaccine regimen uh, it did not cause serious adverse reactions. It did produce hepatitis C virus specific T cell responses and it lowered the peak hepatitis C virus RNA levels, but it didn't prevent the, the hepatitis C. So we saw some, some good lab values, but not good clinical value. And and you know, when we read the article, the thing that jumped out most to me is when we built a specialty pharmacy focusing in on, on Hep C way back when, it was all about genotype align the treatment with the appropriate genotype. And nowhere in this article did it talk about what genotype were the infections. So even though the the endpoint was this like, aggregate macro level of hepatitis C infection, you know, I would argue that we could start to go and do some subtype and say, was it genotype one? Was it genotype six? Was it genotype two? And and I was surprised that this vaccine is focused on genotype 1B, but we didn't talk about that in the article. But overall, again, this just shows the value of our current COVID-19 vaccines and how lucky we are that they are effective and that we're able to help people
1: now. Right. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is kind of a, it's, you know, it it was, it was kind of sad. I think when in those first kind of, it seems, it seems like a long time ago, but of course it was only a couple months ago and the, you know, the heady days of, of when the mRNA vaccines and we were talking about 95% effectiveness and, you know, you know, gee, this could be a whole new way to treat a wide variety of infectious diseases. I don't want to lose that enthusiasm because again, I think there's, you know, there are, are definitely a lot of viral illnesses out there that mRNA vaccines could be a good target for. But as you point out in this study, you know, at least against, against this genotype, it didn't seem to be effective. One wonders if that has something more to do with, with, as you pointed, it's genotype, the genotype infectiousness. And of course, you know, the, 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 the kind of uh, unusual relationship between hepatitis C and, and chronicity and the development of, of cirrhosis and hepatocellular carcinoma. So, you know, you have to, it's, it, it's kind of a weird d- disease in that, you know, you know, most people get hepatitis C will often develop chronic hepatitis C upper Percentage of those will go on to develop cirrhosis, and a percentage of those will go on to develop a carcinoma. And you know, it, of course, the study was would not have been designed and couldn't have been designed to take a look at at those issues. It'll be interesting to see if down the road those specific T cell responses, or you know, you know, down the road, does that it may not protect you from getting chronic hepatitis C infection, but does it actually prevent you from developing cirrhosis or ACC? We'll never, you know, we won't know. Of course, and I'm sure they're probably following these patients to see. Uh, um, so you know, yes, it's it's a negative study, and and it and it does. I totally agree. You know, point out the fact that we were really lucky, or 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 things just you know the stars aligned. However, however you want to put it in in, in your personal headspace, that, that things worked out really good for the current COVID vaccines, and you know, and this is a negative study for 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 this uh, uh, sub uh, genotype of of HCV. Who knows what will happen in the future with with this uh, 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 vaccine or others? And of course, the beauty of mRNA vaccines is they're tweakable, right? You know they, 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 you can tweak the 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 back, the, the RNA sequencing to make uh, some adjustments. Maybe that'll be what happened. Maybe then the next one of these that's tweaked will find more effectiveness. So it's, it's it's pretty interesting. So thank you, Jake, for, for 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 that review. So we're going to wrap up here in just a second. But uh, first, a word from our uh, producer, C Impact.
0: Use code PODCAST for a Pharmacy Podcast Network discount.
1: So another important... A uh, uh, vaccine in the fight against uh, COVID-19. Um, as uh, as of this recording, uh, and as Jake pointed out, uh, the CDC guidance on vaccinated individuals has come out, and uh, one assumes those will, will, will be adjusted as time goes on. But it does, I think, give a, a real light at the end of this tunnel that we've all been in—that that, that things are going to to you know get back to semi-normal, hopefully uh, sooner than later as as we roll these out. And and again, a, th- a big thanks to, to Jake for, for for being here. But I think more important. Big thanks to all community pharmacists who are are working. Let's be totally honest. Uh, often with 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 uh, not a lot of tech help, not a lot of extra pharmacist help uh, to, to to be you know the primary members in in the fight against against this disease and getting people vaccinated. And you know I personally know you know pharmacists, uh, and I'm sure Jake's one of them, and, and his partners are, are, are among them who are working long hours. They're not getting paid any extra. They're not you know this is just one more thing they they're doing on top of the twelve thousand other things that community pharmacists have to do and 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 they're 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 a, a powerful uh a weapon in this fight and we all they all deserve our thanks and and of course i really hope that when it's all said and done we won't forget the hard work that community pharmacists have done uh um uh during during this pandemic and hopefully uh keep that in mind when 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 things come back to, to, to normal about how we can can allow these professionals to really improve everybody's health so, so that's it for this week's uh game changers thanks for listening Again, hit that like button, uh, subscribe, tell your friends and family, and head over to CE Impact to, to, to take a look at all the great programs they have. We will see you next week. But until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Take care.